I think that conflict for me being a mixed person during Black History Month, I'm just like, do I, what do I get to say? What do I not get to say? Like, how, how do I get to feel? And now I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I just want to feel love and I want to make and help other people feel love. And if they haven't felt it, I want to help them find it. Ladies and gentlemen, and anyone else who is here, my name is Dom Lamore, and you are listening to the Black Man Talking Emotions podcast. On today's episode, I speak with Bovell, aka Kaylin Royston, about Black History Month. Music's always been the same to me. It's not about the gimmicks, it's about the soul. I don't care if they call me a rocker, a blues woman, or a gospel singer. What matters is that I'm making the music I love. These quotes are by the legend sister Rosetta Thorpe. She began recording music using an electric guitar in the 40s, and the tune That's All has been cited as the influence on Chuck Berry and Elvis Presley. Johnny Cash said during his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech that his favorite singer was Rosetta. She was a pioneer. She was a rock star. And she's another example of how important African-American women are to our culture as a whole. Named Rolling Stone's sixth greatest guitarist of all time, she performed on tour with Muddy Waters in 1964, Eric Clapton, and Keith Richards were in the audience. The greats understood her greatness. She influenced everyone from Little Richard to Jerry Lee Lewis. And I feel like she deserves all the praise. If you are looking to dive into some history, cue up the album The Decca Singles, Volume 1, by Sister Rosetta Thorpe. So, point blank, what does Black History Month mean to you? Point blank, period, Black History Month. And this might sound like, what? But it's like, you know, I think Black History Month personally is tied so deeply to forgiving myself and forgiving others for their being ill-informed with good intention. Like, I think I come across more people who have that good intention of wanting to be supportive of me as like a black artist, supportive of me as their black friend, supportive of me as, you know, their black partner. And people don't always know the right things to say, or they don't always know the right things to do. And that's no one's fault other than like this society and this behavior that we're cultivating as a community, because there are also a lot of things within the community of color that don't exactly uplift or uphold everyone within those communities to a elevated standard where we're protecting each other as well as protecting ourselves. And I think it's so easy to be angry. Yeah. It's so easy to be angry all the time. And, you know, I live in Boston right now. I've lived in Boston for four years being someone from Atlanta and Boston being like the polar opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm, I'm surrounded by, you know, reasons to reflect and, you know, feel sad or to feel angry, not so much about the city, but it's just like that 
is what happens when you move out of a predominantly black city to a predominantly white city. Yeah. It's so easy to just like be hateful and be vengeful, but I want to be better about being grateful. It's like, you know, especially like black people are like, why is it that every movie that is meant to bring attention to the, the discrepancies within race or the inequities within race and ethnicity and even like gender and sexuality. Why does it always have to be about trauma? Why can't we just have a cute little movie where it's like, oh, here's my, you know, what's like a feel good white person movie? I'm trying to think about <laughs> There's so many, there's too many to even name. But it's like, why can't I have, you know, like a black version of 10 things I hate about you? But it's commenting on the importance of bringing your perspective as a person of color into your relationship with other people, into your relationship with other people of color, into your relationship with people who are not of color, you know, especially as a mixed person. I think Black History Month for a lot of my life felt like conflicting because there were just no conversations being held around. You have this experience that is different, but still pretty formulaic to being a black person in this country, you know, being a quote unquote light skinned person. I absolutely get different treatment. I'm spoken to differently. I'm treated differently, especially in terms of like a working environment. People view me differently than they would a dark skinned woman, period. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Dark skinned women get so much crap. And like there's not really much retribution for them, but and then it turns into this vengeful, hateful conversation of like, oh, well, you know, like that means light-skinned people are a part of the problem rather than bringing everyone together and making it a collective conversation. Mm. It's disheartening and hard to see people reinforce acts of imperialism and colonialism into our own communities because it's what we know, you know, yeah. that's generational trauma. I think that conflict for me being a mixed person during Black History Month, I'm just like, do I, what do I get to say? What do I not get to say? Like, how, how do I get to feel? And now I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I just want to feel love and I want to make and help other people feel love. And if, they haven't felt it. I want to help them find it. Mm. And that's part of the reason why I'm writing the music that I write. I think art should be a confrontation. It's great to use art as a form of escapism, but shit. <laughs> I want to write music that people listen to and they're like, oh, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah, Holding yeah. a mirror to a person's face and being like, look at this. Look, look at how you're taking this in from your lived experience. Because so often people are never asked about their lived experience. That's why you have so many people, especially within the black community that are living with depression, they're living with anxiety, they're living with addiction, they're living with all of these ailments that are prohibiting us from living the life that I think every person on this earth deserves. One of my favorite quotes, Toni Morrison, she said, freedom is getting to choose what you have to do, getting to choose your responsibilities, because there are a lot of people who don't ever get the right or the choice. They don't, they're not allotted the opportunity. And opportunity is such a huge part of that conversation within Black History Month. Mm -hmm. That falls back into forgiveness 100%. 
because you have to think of, especially as a culture within the United States, because that's the only lived experience that I really have. Like I can't really speak for other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Within a performing arts perspective or just an arts perspective, there are a lot of conversations that need to be had in terms of allotting opportunities to performers of color, to black performers, to black writers, to black musicians, to everything. I mean, we are still having this conversation about who invented rock when we know it was Chuck Berry and not Elvis. But there are so many people who still don't know that. They don't know where people like Elvis got a lot of those licks that he played in like some of his most famous songs like Jailhouse Rock. There's so many people who don't realize that blues is like the root of pop music. You know, if we didn't have slave spirituals after the transatlantic slave trade where people were brought here to help build up this country on stolen land, which is another part of the conversation. Uh, And we have people who are trying to reinforce, reignite their sense of community. I can't even imagine what would be the hardest and most difficult parts of their life through music. And that is why we have so much of the popular music that we have today. All of that comes from folk music, which is black originated. Rock is black originated. Pop is black originated. Jazz is black originated. Like all of that starts there. But no one wants to have that conversation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Reintroduce these opportunities in a way that everyone can be a part of the conversation. And I think the only way that we can get there is to forgive each other and forgive ourselves. Because if you aren't at peace with yourself, there's no other place for a conversation to go. What you're saying is so true. Forgiving and being able to actually speak, being like, I understand this is bad, but this is the truth. So here's the truth. I'm going to preach and teach what really happened. And hopefully you forgive us for what we're doing, but we're doing our work to actually teach you what really happened. Mm -hmm. Black History Month can truly be that bridge for that moment, for that Mm -hmm. forgiving, for that time. There's so much stuff. The rock and roll conversation you just said, I just was reading this book, Black AF History, and they talk about how, in their opinion, Rosetta Thorpe was the architect, Mm -hmm. the first, but she was technically a gospel singer. Mm -hmm. So people don't look at her as the person who started it. But then going to the Black movie where it's happy, I'm like, ooh, I'm thinking of Eddie Murphy is my favorite. So I think immediately coming to America or Boomerang, those are like the two movies I think where Races in them in the sense that there's mostly black cast, mm. but when you watch them, they're just stories. They're fun right. stories. Uh, Dr. Doolittle's another one. Eddie was mm-hmm. really big on just making stories with black people in them. Mm-hmm. And so you watch Dr. Doolittle and he's this doctor and he's intelligent and he has a great job. He has a great house. His family is looking to go in the right directions, college. Also be a doctor, veterinarian, tr- mm-hmm. look out for people. But it's not, hey, this black guy he talks to animals. That's not what it's about. Right. So you see those moments where there are ways to teach or create history without it being the primary conversation. Mm-hmm. And then also touching on you being mixed color. I'm in a position where I put myself in this position and I married a white woman. So my child will be you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my child will be the person who will half of his being will be a white person. Half of it will be a black person, but most people will just look at him and say they're black, you know? And how do they go from that and learn and and grow and also accept that? Because I know a lot of mixed people where it's very hard for them to kind of accept that idea. So either they go completely left or they go completely right Right. on what they are. 
in how they perceive themselves, how they want to be judged by others. Yes. Black History Month must be crazy confusing. And I can only imagine you being in school and you being in class where these kids on one side, the white kids are like, oh, man, I'm so sorry for all this stuff. But then the black kids being like, oh, you ain't even black enough to talk about this kind of thing. No, you know right. what I'm saying? That's it's exactly. kind of bizarre. So I'm fascinated to know a little bit about that. How was school and Black History Month for you? Did you feel like you really got taught the good stuff from your teachers that you have great teachers that actually provided information and did you struggle with it? Cause like I said, even I, I'm not mixed, but I struggled with accepting the fact that we had a black history month. I was like, this is weird. Why do we need this? This is stupid. Right. But then I got older and I started to realize that was a really bad way to look at it. Cause it's like, there's no other way we would have this. If we didn't have this month, if we didn't have that month where people were specifically told, this is what you have to teach. I believe they will find ways to put little nuggets here and there, but I feel like we would get less mm. of that information in class, in history class, in social studies. We wouldn't get it as much as we do now. We are guaranteed a month that you're going to hear about this history that you're supposed to hear about. Right. But then again, in ways that month is still very much, okay, what are the bullet points we have to hit? How do you feel like your Black history experience in class actually turned out? Was it good or bad? I got really lucky with my education growing up because my mom is a single parent. She made it a point to get me in a place academically where I could be informed and I could be articulate and I could understand why I am where I am and why I am who I am. And my grandmother, she was at Selma, you know? So like I've grown up hearing about her lived experiences and seeing how she walks about life and asking my mom, like, why does she, you know, we see these relationships to our family and how that relates to the people that we interact with in school. Mm -hmm. My mom would have these conversations with me about, you know, you are different and people are going to look at you differently and talk to you differently. And they had this conversation with me at school as well, which is why I say I was lucky. I went to school starting in Mableton in elementary school, and I went to a predominantly black elementary school, which at the time, it was interesting because it's like, there was no Zendaya. Like there was no like this fetishization of light-skinned people in the sense that it's gotten to now. That's always been there, but I feel like it has kind of like skyrocketed tenfold in the last like decade or so because people seeing celebrities yeah. and idolizing these people and making that the standard for beauty which is just like really gross and disgusting and terrible because i'd be like seven years old and having these like white ass parents coming up to me being like oh my god what are you and i'm like i'm kaylin what do you mean yeah. and they're like oh your babies are gonna be so beautiful i'm like why would you say that to me i'm like a child you know and in school because it was a predominant black yeah. elementary school that I was going to, I learned a lot about black history. Black history month was like the littest month <laughs> in elementary school. That yeah. was yeah. the time to be in school because we would go on trip. They were showing us pictures of Emmett Till when I was like nine years old. So like I, I was seeing everything and coming yeah. to understand everything from so young. I talked to some of my other black friends or even some of my other friends of color. and like, they don't know who Emmett Till is, you know? A lot of them didn't know who Rosa Parks was till middle school, which is crazy yeah. to me. Like, how do you, you know, like they don't know about a lot of these pioneering moments in black history that have led us to where we're at, especially considering there are things within certain schools that are being taken out 
you know, legislation that's being put in place to withhold information from kids. It's like we're scared to inform people and Mm -hmm. tell them, you know, what the fuck is going on. You know what I'm saying? Like we're scared to let people know what is going on and what's been going on. Because if people know what's been going on, then they'll want to do something about it, which is a bad thing, you know, for some reason. When I talk to people that have gone to school in the South or especially here in Atlanta, they had a much better Black History Month than than people up in the Mm -hmm. North and Missouri, where I'm from. Other places in the country don't get that same education. And just my wife and I, we went to see Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott's grave. Yeah. And it really just opened my eyes to how much history Atlanta really has for African-Americans. You literally can go to their grave, walk down the street to the church that he mm-hmm. preached at, then walk down the street to the house he was born in. Like, that's incredible preserved history. You don't have an advantage in any other city. Really, this city yes. is 10 steps ahead of most. Oh, yeah. That's part of the reason why I think moving from Atlanta to Boston was so hard because I was just like, I love being with people who support me to feel empowered by being myself. I've gone my whole life, you know, being asked the questions of like, what are you? Or like, oh, like you're so exotic looking or like, oh, you must have this, this, this. You're going to have so-and-so. But like, I've gotten those questions my whole life. I think it's definitely interesting that Atlanta Throughout those experiences I've had, it also isn't just like Atlanta, like growing up in Georgia. It's been infinitely more accepting than my experiences for the most part have been in Boston, unfortunately. And it's not even that I think that Boston is like a bad city because there's so many people I know, so many dear friends that I adore and I love and I look up to that are from Boston. I mean, even going to like this huge school in the heart of Boston, I didn't get to decide my race on my identity marker for school. They labeled me as other slash unknown. And that was not my choice. Berkeley College of Music made that choice. <laughs> like, they were, oh, like, we actually have no idea. They actually, yeah. correction, they said other slash unknown Hispanic, which I am part like Latina, but how would you, how would you know that if you haven't even had a conversation with me? And I ended up emailing, a bunch of people because I was pissed. I was like, this is not okay. And I've had to deal with that since I was six years old, you know, coloring in identity markers being like, what am I? And my teachers coming up to me being like, girl, you better check black. Like you have nothing else to check on than black. But then I'm like, but then my black friends tell me that I'm not black enough. And then my white friends tell me that I'm not white. So then what does that make me? They're like, you're still black. Like check that. I'm like, okay. But it felt like I was cheating myself Mm. and like also cheating the black community to even check black majority of the time. And it's like, now I get here and I don't even have the choice. Like, so I emailed a bunch of people. I ended up talking to like, I think it was like the president of like the health and wellness committees or department for the state of Massachusetts, who like is the person that decides what's on these identity markers. And I was like, Georgia has had a mixed race slash biracial identity marker for a little over 10 years now. Like I went through that as a child and it's it's still going to be trials and tribulations of being this light-skinned person that people see and it takes them like a couple seconds to process what it is that they're looking at. Yeah. At least Georgia was like giving people the option to be like, okay, yeah. Like I was like, I'm in Massachusetts, which is like 
allegedly a progressive state. And then I can't identify as like mixed race on this identity marker. Like, what's that about? And they straight up said, we don't identify mixed race as a viable option on our identity markers. I was like, well, could you? And she's like, no, that's never been the case. I don't that there will be changes to make that happen because it's like not something that's you know, really check that off. And in the first place, I was like, well, how would you know that? Yeah. Why? Why wouldn't you make it? Literally, it's one of the things that she is. Right, 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 right. It's like, so what you're telling me is you don't identify mixed individuals within the state of Massachusetts. She's like, I did not say that. I was like, I didn't. I was like, you're the one that just said that. I'm repeating what you just told me. You said mixed identities are not a viable option on identity markers in the state of Massachusetts. That's a problem to me. So it's like, you know, we'd have this conversation of education, like <laughs> that tells you about, you know, how certain parts of this country, you know, months like Black History Month in terms of those types of situations. I can't imagine like growing up and having nearly the same education on something like Black History Month, living in Massachusetts in comparison to Georgia. Absolutely not. It feels kind of like, I think a lot of the time out of touch here because I think for the most part, they don't really know what to do, but then there also aren't a lot of people that are allowing the changes to happen. Like me reaching out should have been an opportunity for changes to happen and they didn't happen. So. I want to thank you for listening to the Black Man Talking Emotions podcast. The opening quote credit goes to Sister Rosetta Thorpe and Bovell. Thank you for being on the pod. Follow Kaylin at K-A-Y-L-A-N dot B-O-V-E-L-L-R-O-Y-S-T-O-N. On Instagram, you can hear her music on all streaming platforms and support and stream her music. Please subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, and give us a good rating. Five stars, please. And thank you. You can support the show by clicking the link in the bottom of the episode description. Also, tell me your plans for the coming year. We should collab. Follow me at D-O-M-L underscore A-M-O-U-R on Instagram or at DomLamore.com. I'm Dom Lamore. Much love.